You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the network, its advertisers, owners, or sponsors. I know we're all busy and sometimes sitting down with the book just isn't possible. That's why I love Audible. Audible's content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks and other audio products. Users can sign up as an Audible listener, which gives them book credits each month for a low monthly fee. Also, Audible gives you other options to buy credits where you get a two-for-one, three-for-one. It's just a great uh, monthly service. Customers download their choices and can access them on their iPhone, Android device, Fire tablet, iPod, or other MP3 player. Start a 30-day trial, and your first audiobook is free. Go to audible.com slash Detroit or text Detroit, not Kate Sensitive, to 500-500. Texting is only available for our U.S. audience. Sorry, rest of the world. For those interested in hospitality, I know most of you are. Setting the Table by Danny Meyer is definitely worth listening to. It's the book that really sparked our love for hospitality. One more time, start a 30-day free trial with your first audiobook is free. Go to audible.com slash Detroit or text Detroit, not case sensitive, to 500-500. Coming to you from Podcast Detroit, it's Heard, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. Heard is a collaboration between The Hungry Dudes, Nick Drinks, and the Detroit Optimist Society. Each week, we interview industry professionals about issues related to food, beverage, and hospitality. Please take a moment to subscribe to Heard through the Apple Podcast app, Google Play, SoundCloud, or however you subscribe to your podcasts. Write a review and let us know what you think. For additional content, including awesome videos and photos, visit HerdPodcast.com, like Herd Podcast on Facebook, and follow at Herd Podcast on Instagram. We appreciate your support and hope you enjoy this week's episode of Herd. Hello, friends, and welcome to Herd, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. I'm Joe Hakeem. Tonight, I'm joined by Fato. Hey, hey. Nick. Hello. Jason. Hey. And we have a couple guests, but they're both out of the... What? What? Woo! Woo! I don't do that just because I'm expecting you to do that, and and I I don't want to steal from what was yours. Well, I mean, it really wasn't yours to start with. But. That's true. I'm just uh, paying homage. But no, just uh, okay. I'm feeling A today, you know? A? Sometimes you feel woo and sometimes you feel A. You do have the A on your shirt. That's true. <laughs> That's very true. So A for Aperol. Ah. Okay, so I want to get rolling with something that's kind of fun. Okay. Kind of exciting. I love fun. It's the Finnish way of drinking alone in your underwear, mm. otherwise known as pants drunk. Oh, I did see that. Yeah. With the, the crazy accent over the, uh, the A, A, I believe. A, yeah. yeah. And it's probably drunk, but drunk sounds. Like, like pants drunk. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, there's no umlaut over the U. I think this is all a, a, like a fake thing, like how the Russians are doing the thing with the elections, because I distinctly remember Nick saying that he, Allegedly. That he does this all the time. <laughs> all the time. And in order to justify him doing it, he had to come up with this whole kind of Thing. Oh, like, so this, this is written by Nick. Yeah. Oh, but so you, I got NBC to pick it up. Your your, your pen name is Nicole Specter. Nick Nicole. <laughs> Don't say it out loud. Nick Nicole. It all. Well, it all what, works well. Here's the thing, and it's um, you know, when I come home from work, I just take my pants off. So if I get drunk after that, I'm literally pants drunk at that point. He, so what, the, he, what he's I mean, not saying is, goes is, to Joe's house every time he comes home. <laughs> from work, sense. <laughs> so. You just walk in the door and your pants walk come in, off. Pants are off. They're like, you know, just right in the hallway. So so now that you... you uh, I didn't know there was a term. Now I have a term for my lifestyle. Yeah. yeah. That's like crossing the goal line. <laughs> After a day of work, it's like, you made it, right? That's what you worked all day for. Exactly. Time it's to the drop payoff. the pants and I drink. I, I think the, the other key part of this is drinking alone. And how in the U.S. it's kind of viewed as like a negative thing when you drink alone. To who? Uh, well, right. I'm, I'm yeah. saying like there, there's like a stigma attached to it. Not and to I, me. I think all of us in the room. Well, it's a media thing. I feel like the media has kind of pushed like you know, oh, you're sad, you're drinking. So well, you're if sad. you're on the if you're sitting on the floor of your kitchen with, with a your wine pants glass off and you're crying <laughs> and you're crying. What about shower whiskey though? Because I just enjoyed that before I came to the show. So. But I feel like there should be Is no that, shame. Like, shower drunk. Well, no, just, there should be <laughs> no shame in drinking can alone. You, can you eat alone? 
Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sure. I do it all What's time. wrong with drinking a little? Well, so right. I, I, I'm, I'm totally on board with your line of thought. Just right. don't do it to excess. The shower That's part. The, the shower part. I've been told that when you indulge in different, th- like an orange is supposed to be better in the shower. Hmm. Shower beer tastes better. Shower he's whiskey been, probably. Air quotes. I mean, he's been told. <laughs> I've never done the shower orange thing. Oh, I've done the shower beer okay. a couple times. Yeah. So next yeah. week we are going to be broadcasting live <laughs> from, from Joe's from shower. Joe's shower. <laughs> and that way everyone can know whether or not an orange tastes better in the shower. Does or, the water have to be running? I, don't, I would imagine. Right. <laughs> it's probably, it could be the heat opening your pores so you're absorbing uh, more okay. orangeness. Do you get drunker faster in the shower? That's a great question. <laughs> if you're bathing in it, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Pants drunk. It's 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 a great concept, uh, and guys, it's okay to drink alone as long as you don't drink in excess. Everything in moderation. Yeah. Everything, right. in moderation. Everything in moderation. It's, it's, moderation. it's okay to drink. Period. Same if with, you don't drink to excess. Same with eating. I feel like this way should be, but but if you're having issues, call this number. <laughs> <laughs> the pants drink hotline. Pants drink hotline. But if you're in the shower and you drink shower water, that's like drinking, right? Shower drinking water. in the shower. Yeah. And I put your no. Uh, All right, I, just I, me. I, <laughs> All right. Okay, so we have a couple guests tonight. Uh, the, uh, one of the, part of the family that owns Tequila Cabresto, Tony Lopez. Yes, good afternoon. My name is Tony Lopez. Uh, with tequila Cabresto, you're a Detroit-based tequila. How you doing, Tony? Doing pretty good. How about you? Good. And, uh, is this, is this Eddie in the background? Yeah, about a uh, buddy of mine, Eddie, Eddie Vargas. Eddie Vargas? He's, he's, he's as far away place? from the microphone yeah. as possible. <laughs> there, there's a seat. <laughs> all right, so it's just going to be Tony talking, it sounds like. Yes. Yeah. Okay, all right, that's cool. So, Tony, let's talk about tequila, Michi- your, your Michigan tequila company. Obviously, you're not growing. Yes, agave. obviously, you don't make it here. <laughs> Says it you, here. he opens the back of his trunk, and there's an agave plant there. <laughs> true, true, very true. Locally grown you agave? <laughs> <laughs> yes, but uh, for obvious reasons, we can't process it here or call it tequila. Right. So uh, talk about the, the kind of inspiration to, to bring a uh, Michigan-based tequila company. That... Well, we're, my family's from Mexico. We're from the highlands of Jalisco, so pretty much that's tequila country. We're surrounded by distilleries, agave fields. My grandparents, great-grandparents, they've always worked on the fields, cornfields or agave fields. One way or another, they was always involved in the agave industry. So first of all, I think we were, we were considered agaveros, people that cultivate agave. So a few years back, there was uh, an abundance of agave, and my dad had a nice crop to sell. Nobody wanted to buy it, and the market was very low. So my dad said, what the heck? Let's do our own tequila. Why Why let all that um, investment in the agave go to waste? So 10, 10 years from now, here we are. So you guys locally, you also operate a tire shop, right? Yes. Okay. So this is kind of like a, a tr- real diversification of uh of your business. <laughs> yes, I wear many hats. Yep. So most of the day you'll find me greased up under a car, working on cars, welding. Did my tires. Yep. They were sure great. Did. Yeah. And uh, thanks to that and the tequila connection, I've had a lot of customers with, from the spirits industry. Like today I had George's Dart from the Flowers of Vietnam go to my shop. Uh-huh. Cole Levy go to the shop today. So every day I have a line of customers that I meet through the tequila <laughs> part of the business. <laughs> It's an interesting, interesting way to build your. Yeah, I just did a Scott Fools tires too yeah. uh, a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> um, okay, so kind of describe the tequila itself. Um, well, our tequila is uh, it stayed grown. Um, I was in actually this year. I was in Mexico for five months working on the farm, getting down and dirty. Just me and a couple of guys from uh, pretty much from morning to dusk. Hard work. I mean, a lot of hard work, but a lot less stressful than working at the tire shop. I'll tell you that much. Less stressful? Yeah, less stressful. Harder work, but less stressful. You're outdoors. You're, outdoors, you're... enjoying the sun. I missed the whole winter this year. Well, that was beautiful. <laughs> yeah. And of course, the senoritas out there. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Southwest does have its fair share. Yes, it sure does. And for those that are unaware, Southwest is, I think we talked about it last week, Southwest is an area of Detroit that uh, a lot of uh, 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 Hispanics uh, migrated to back in the, I would say, the late 50s or so. Grew into a population, uh, so when you hear Southwest Detroit, it kind of two why two was that? Other. Why was that? Yeah, because sure. the automotive companies, hmm. yeah. like everybody. Yes, yeah, yeah. so I'll tell you a story. My grandfather actually, when everybody went off to the World War II, he came here with the Obrero program and worked on the actual Michigan train station hmm. one year. That was back in the forties. 
So our roots go back, way back in the, yeah. to the 30s and 40s. Yeah, that's where all the jobs were. Back then, everybody was coming up here, and uh, you had the factories, like he said, it was you know supplying the the not just the cars and stuff, but supplying the the steel and the exactly. For the war. And recently in the eighties, uh, a lot of uh, families from Jalisco have been pouring into uh, Michigan, especially in the Detroit area. Yeah, so my mine come from well, my dad's side come from Mexico City. Oh, okay. And so they came. So you're a Chilango. <laughs> they they came up here. I gotta say, it's gotta be the late fifties or so when they came up here, and then yeah, been here ever since. Okay. I just for whatever reason can't leave. <laughs> stuck in stuck in Detroit. Everyone else leaves, but not me. That's cool. <laughs> same here. We've been on the same block for the past thirty years. Ever since we moved uh, here from Chicago. Okay. And my dad worked at various different jobs at the as a butcher at the Eastern Market, roofing construction. Yeah. Uh, and kitchens, so he finally set up enough money to open up his own business, tire shop, with my uncle. After that, he bought my uncle's uh, part of the business, and my uncle opened up the first taqueria in Southwest Detroit, Lupitas. Oh, yeah. Ah. And from there, we expanded our shop, and uh, we got into the uh, tequila business. So the agave, when you had the, there was like a a great crop, agave crop, do you, um, do you distill it yourself? Is it something that you work with a partner? Um, no, we uh, take it to a distillery that we contract distill. They distill it for us. But all the agave that we take is grown by us. Cool. So but- we are actually in the process of building our own little distillery in our ranch because it's really hard to uh, deal with uh, somebody else that, that that has to control the quality and the, and the inventory and all that. So we decided just to go ahead and start building our own distillery. And and when you ship it off to get processed, what at what point do you give it to them? Do you cut it down to the piñas or are you just giving them the whole plant? No, they have to go to the – the humidors go to the actual ranch. And they process they it. They process it. Got it. They, they cut it into piñas. They load it up. We okay. take it to the distillery. They weigh it. First, we weigh it on the scone. Then we take it to the distillery and figure out how much is going to get processed. And mm-hmm. that's how we figure out how much we have to pay them. Got it. Process our tequila. Okay. So can you kind of explain what the cutting it down to the piñas, what does that Don't mean? Don't look at me. Well, look no, at the I'm professional. Saying, well, <laughs> the agave plant is similar to an aloe vera plant. They cut off all the leaves, and once they get to the, to the core, to the pulp, it looks like a huge pineapple. And that is where the, the juice comes from to make the tequila. And after they load it up, they take it to the distillery. They cut it into halves. They load it up into a, a stone or a brick oven or the autoclave. They load it up. They cook it for... 24 to 72 hours. After that, they bring it out. They shred it and squeeze out the juice, and that's what they ferment. After the fermentation goes the distillation part. So have you ta- what does the juice taste like when it's fresh squeezed? Because that's something I've never had. Um, I, I love the the juice and the actual pulp. We always Every time we go to the distillery, we take a piece of the pulp. Mm-hmm. It tastes kind of like sweet potato. Hmm. It's really good. Kind of like uh, like a malt. Okay. So you, you chew on it, and you, you just... Uh, absorb all the juice and the fibers you spit it out it's kind of like sugar cane okay you guys ever had sugar cane you, oh, yeah. you yep. chew the sugar and mm-hmm. you spit out the fiber yeah same same thing and and when you when you do that when you you taste your um you know the pinas before you ferment them do you get a feel for how good the crop is from that or do you really not know until it's distilled well yeah if it's sweet super sweet that's what you want okay yeah because if it's a plant and it doesn't taste like nothing well what am i eating right right Sour patch or something. <laughs> is the age so because you have uh, you have a couple different expressions of uh, tequila? Are they aging them there as well? Yes. Cool. Mm-hmm. And what what's the what's the is there a, a, a minimum age requirement that you guys have as as a company? Oh, uh, so far we have our reposado is aged for seven seven months in uh-huh. American oak whiskey barrels. Our añejo is aged for eighteen months. Same barrels, American Oak whiskey barrels, and our extra añejo is aged for, aged for seven years. Seven Damn. years. Yes. Wow. And we actually, this last time that I went, came back from Mexico, we had maybe like 40 or 50 barrels left. Still aging, so those are probably nine years. Ooh. Wow. Still got a bottle, bottle of them babies up, but maybe do like a special edition. Is, is that keep- seems like, yeah, I mean, seven years. I mean, is the extra añejo, it's like three years is the cutoff at the minimum, right? Yeah, the, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, the añejo is a three-year cutoff. Of three years end up, that's okay. uh, considered extra añejo. Extra and, añejo, yeah. And yeah. that's on top of growing the plant for 10 yes. years? Yep. There's a lot of time that goes in tequila. My gosh. 
Yes, tequila is probably one of the spirits that has the most process involved into making the the juice. The time commitment. If you're like, oh, I want to start a tequila farm. Okay, in 20 years, there you go. Yep. I mean, that's that's a lot. Is that what grow, goes into growing the plant itself? Is that that much preparation? Yes. So you guys, um, how long have you owned the agave farm? Um, we My dad started off with little parcels, and little by little, he started buying more and more of it. Where he actually grew up on it, where he was born on, because my my grandfather he worked for the the landowner. I guess he would work the the farm, growing cornfields, and they would share the profit, and he would live on the farm. And now now for him to own the land that he was born on, he just that's his little paradise. That, that was his goal in life. Wow. So and he's you've been growing agave for how long? How many years? Has it been at least ten or more than that? Uh, for tequila cabresto, about ten years. Uh-huh. My dad's been going to guy probably his whole life. Wow. And so what was it? So you have this huge crop. What was it used for before tequila? It's what always you, been used for tequila. Oh, it's always been used for tequila. Now it's been used for other, for other, um, for other items like uh, agave, agave honey or agave syrup. Uh-huh. They're also making a, uh, it's called inolina. It's like a something powder. It's like agave sweetener, but in powder form okay. instead of using sugar. It's supposed to be healthier for diabetics. Mm-hmm. And also, I was at a event with the Hispanic Ford Network, and they're buying the fibers from uh, Cuervo to make uh, auto, auto components. Interesting. Really? Yeah. Instead of using plastic, they're using the fibers from the agave plant. Uh, the agave leaves, they go to waste. So Probably similar to what they do with hemp, right? This kind of stuff. Yeah, I would yeah. imagine. Um, so w- when this huge crop came came about years ago, was it just because – Less, I mean, less tequila was tequila has been kind of on the increase, right? In yes. terms of production, yeah. Right now, there's a scarcity again because it's in such demand. Agave is a scarce. Yeah, the, yeah. the price of a kilo went up from three to five pesos to twenty to twenty five pesos Whoa. a kilo. Wow! So there's a huge investment in even trying to distill tequila at this point. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Hence, where right. the cost. I hear becomes, a lot of the yeah. distilleries are going to end up closing down because they can't afford to buy the yeah. agave. But if he makes his own distillery, then there you go. Yeah, and we have right. our own agave, so yep. vertical integration. Yep. yep. Oh, look at you in the fancy terms. <laughs> I saw that on a billboard once. <laughs> that's, right. that's, that's the wine tasting downtown Detroit, right? What? Vertical Vert- integration? Just vertical. Okay. It's American apparel. <laughs> but, right. I, I might be jumping ahead, but what? where does the breakdown come from, like really, really shitty tequila to like high-end, decent tequila? I mean, is it... Does it start with the plant, or is it? Or is no, it you get your shitty tequila when they uh they still call it tequila, but it's really mixto, where fifty one percent of it is agave and the rest is alcohol or neutral grain methanol spirit, or yeah. whatever they put in there. So it's like the southern comfort of tequila, just like mixing. Yes. Yeah, yep. Fuck that. Exactly. <laughs> you know, well, that's what gives you the that's what gives all these kids from on spring break in, in college that bad. <laughs> And is, is Mixo still have to be um, uh, Weber Blue Agave, or can that be something else? Or then do you become a mezcal? It has to be at least 51%. It could be 80% or 90%. But it has to be Weber Blue to be tequila. But it, it can't be called te- – uh, it can't be – it can't say 100% Blue Weber. It can be called tequila, but it can't say 100% Blue Weber. Okay. Got it. So, yeah. So, there's one particular strain of agave that's used for tequila. And if you go out of that, it becomes a mezcal, I think. Uh, Ish. It – Yeah. Okay. Or it's called an agave spirit. Agave spirit, yeah. okay. Because hmm. round barn. Because mezcal has their own uh, own regulation now, okay. too. They're getting as strict as uh, tequila. Are they? All right. Yeah. But the difference is they can use up to 30 different variations of agaves. For more variety. Yeah. Yeah. And tequila, you can only use one. Whoever agave. So tequila and mezcal both are coming from their specific regions in Mexico. If you're outside of that, you're an agave spirit. And round barn on the west side of Michigan makes an agave spirit. It's terrible. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Round Barn. It's terrible. And how how many kinds kinds of agave are there? Why do they have a Round Barn? <laughs> it mean, is it literally sounds... a Round Barn that they serve spirits out of and Jeez. wine. Where's this place at? I'd like to go check it out. Saint Joe-ish, Saint Joe area. It's out kind of by Journeyman. If you head oh, out okay. towards Journeyman, so I have to go check them out. I have a bottle in my house. Bad review. I should have brought it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so doesn't agave spirit still have to be but it's still produced no in joke. mexico and imported or they're they're making it there I, I mean i don't know if they're growing some weird agave plants in michigan or are somewhere. they importing agave and using that that's a good question yeah that is a good question 
Yeah. I mean, it, is yeah. that a thing? You can. Does agave grow here naturally if you planted it? I know you've got that in your in your trunk. But... <laughs> <laughs> um, I suppose you could, but I think the the sugar content wouldn't be as high as it mm, would be down sure. there. Yeah. It's like probably like growing a lemon tree here. Like, yeah, you could grow a lemon tree, but you're yeah. bringing it in and out of your house every winter. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, William yeah. Sonoma. I was asking for the. Really I was asking for three hundred dollar lemon tree. <laughs> yeah, I think if my agave plant would have stayed in Mexico, it would have been a lot bigger. Sure. Yeah. Because you're on year, what year did you say you're? Four? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, it's not like you can, something that takes that long, you can't really greenhouse and pay for electricity and storage for. You can do whatever you want. Just tons of money. Well, I guess if you're using the greenhouse for something else. I mean. I don't know. It doesn't seem economical. doesn't seem economical. Hmm. So, yeah, how many agave plants? I'm curious. How many agave plants are there? You say there's blue agave and there's other variations. To make mezcal, there's 30, but I'm sure there's a. Wow. A lot more agaves, agave species in that. So historically, why why is it the blue Weber plant that is, is that makes tequila? Why does it have to be that plant? Is that just something that? That's just something that uh the tequila council regulated that they only wanted to use that certain specific agave. And so the vast majority of agave growers, they just grow that one particular plant because of tequila, or is well, there... if it's for tequila for the tequila industry, that's all they can grow is uh the blue weber agave. But as for like mezcal, they can grow up to, like I said, up to thirty different variations. But the difference with mezcal, there's some kinds of agaves that that uh they can only be grown in the wild. They can't you can't farm them, right. and they're becoming scarce too. What does that mean? Like, so, so are people like poaching these wild? Like, yes. like, oh, really? Yeah, they're poaching them. It's not like the blue weber agave, where as you see, my my plant has four little sprouts coming out. I could get those and plant them somewhere else. They haven't been able to manipulate that same uh, scenario with uh, these other yeah. wild uh, agave oh, plants. Yeah. So it's not like um, cross. Uh, uh, what's the word? Like splitting on its own. So. Oh, it's wacky. So if you own the land that it was growing on wildly, you would just have to protect it somehow. Yeah. From the poachers. And I'm sure there's some kind of regulation for that. But shotgun regulation. I mean, if, yeah. There's yeah. A, if there's an agave plant growing in the wild, how much can you get for, like, what would be the point of poaching? It's like it? morel mushrooms. Is you that just what? Walk around and find them and pull them out? I don't know. Yeah, that's that, that's a good analogy. Is, is that what it's like? Are they, are they just like poaching them just because? Or is there some, can you distill from one plant? You said you get what five liters out of one plant, a fully grown plant. Yeah, I mean that's a oh, decent wow. amount of juice. Yeah, I guess so. That's um, that's not. I mean, so yeah, there there sure is a black there is a black market out there where people have to be on the lookout for their farms because they will go in the middle of the night and take a good piece of your crop and oh. sell it in the black market because right now that is pretty much the blue gold rush that's going on in Mexico right now. It's it's worth a lot of money. The, the agave plants. Yeah, like I said, from three to five. Pays a kilo to 20 to 25 pays a kilo. Right. Plus, plus the time. I mean, you think of all that time you've invested in it. Yeah, sure. It's easier to go swipe it off from someone else. Right. And one thing I've noticed, too, that right now the demand is so high that they're, they're, they're picking up these little two, three-year-old baby plants. And I think the quality of the tequila is going to drop mm. because it doesn't have the same amount of uh, sugar content as these bigger ones. They don't, they're not letting them fully mature. So they're, they're picking up or harvesting all these immature agave plants, take them to the distillery, and, and the quality is going to drop. Hmm. That's what everybody's worried about right now, about the quality of everybody's tequila. It's interesting because, I mean, the in the bourbon, it's, you know, the crops don't take as long. Uh, well, corn's everywhere. Corn and rye and uh, wheat are annual harvests. But, you know, 10-year-old, 12-year-old bourbon has to be in the barrel that long. And so it's kind of the same thing that, you know, there's a crunch right now because the demand is so high for yeah. bourbon, and you can't just make ten or twelve year old bourbon overnight. You know, it's got to be there that long. So, you know, like you said, yeah, yeah, fully yeah, grown yeah. agave has to take that long. You can't just make more of it. Yeah. You know, are there is there a lot of? I know a lot of the bourbon industry is investing heavily uh, now in extra capacity and laying down as many barrels. I mean, is there? Are are people responding to that price increase by, you know, planting, planting more, so yeah. much more? Or yes, every yeah, everybody right now is in the agave planting industry at this moment. So I, I'm thinking with all the people planting agave within the next five years, I 
the price is probably going to drop like it mm-hmm. happened last time. But that doesn't really affect you because you're no. growing it and you're distilling it. Yeah, if, I, if I'm not going to sell it for that price, well, I'm going to make more tequila. Right. Yeah. So, okay. So, th- this tequila. So, you ha- I see under the table that there's some, you brought some with you. Yes. Let, let's uh, taste it. I think. He brought I tasting glasses too. He and I want you to glasses? see these tasting glasses. Uh, I was in a rush. I forgot the silver. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) This is a reposado. This is a arañejo. And you changed your packaging a year ago, two years ago? Maybe, uh, yeah, about three or four years ago. Okay. So if you see an old bottle on the shelf, you're going to see kind of like a a kind of taller, skinnier bottle, still kind of square with a plastic top, if I remember correctly. Yes. No, it was uh, aluminum cap. Aluminum. Okay. So now, I mean, if you look at these bottles, uh, they're, this is how, um, I mean, it's all glass. It has a big glass stopper on top. And um, for people that might not know, so give us a breakdown. I mean, we've been talking about the agave and different price. So what is a, I mean, what are the price points on these different ages and yeah, how does go. that relate to like the market? Because I don't, I don't even really know sometimes how many. Like, I mean, uh, referring to uh, Cabresto? Yeah, like just, like if you were to go to the store and buy these, what is the price of yeah, these the bottles? Yeah, the state minimum for uh, our Cabresto Silver is twenty eight ninety nine. Okay, very competitive pricing. Uh, very competitive. Yeah, the Reposado is priced at twenty nine ninety nine. The Añejo is priced at forty four ninety nine, and our Extra Añejo is priced at one hundred and ten ninety nine. Is that so? The 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 high end price is that pretty common? Like 110, is that? Oh, uh, uh, yes. Most añejos or extra añejos, the really good ones, are within the $100 and up range. And who, so the, the extra añejo is, yours is aged for how long again? Seven years. Seven years. Okay. And you said anything over three? Yes, yeah, consider so extra añejo. Why did you choose, why, why seven? Is there, is there, was there some point where you guys were tasting it and you're like, this, this is, this is it? Um, uh, not really. I'll be honest with you. We just had tequilas in the barrels, and we were still trying to build our portfolio, build our market. We're, we're working with the with the reposado and the silver first. We started getting a little bit more established, and then at that point, we decided to go with the different packaging, and that's when we started bottling up our añejos. And what's the demand been like locally? Uh, the Detroit demand has been really good, especially since we're locally based. We're based right. out of Southwest Detroit. And you were Detroiters. We've, I've been there my whole life. Do you want to address the other tequila companies? Like, how do you how do you interact with um? Well, we have Blue Nectar, and I can't think of the other guys right now. Um, we get along pretty good. I mean, yeah. uh, we're, we're competition, but I think we have different markets. Okay. And the box for the extra yeah, it was actually recycled oil paper. Yeah, I like it. Nice. Okay, so which one should we start with? Uh, I so said we start off from the bottom up, the reposado. So looking at this, the, the colors are very similar between the three of them. Are you not picking up a lot more color the longer you age? He's a novice. I see the extra anejo is definitely. You do see colors? Yes. Okay, I'm at a bad, I'm at oh, a bad yeah, angle right yeah. now. It's definitely gonna, darker. It is? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. Never mind. Ignore that question. That's yeah. fair. I mean, it's, that. it's hard for the, li- the lighting. I, I mean, th- there is, you know, and maybe maybe this is a, Poor example, but Patron's clear, isn't it? The silver is silver, yeah. And, and so is this? That's the Reposado. Like that's I said, uh, oh, and I, you just, you I forgot, forgot my silver. silver. Okay, yeah. and so that's a clear. That's what sells the most too. That's and silver has no age on it, right? No. Okay. So the Reposado what? is the Reposado sells the most, or the silver? The silver. Why do you think that is? Well, because it's uh, easier to make with cocktails. Okay. It's more. In, it's in higher demand. It's quiet. Thank you. We're smelling smelling the. So first off, uh, so you brought your own tasting glasses. These are copas, cupas. These are cantaritos, mini cantaritos. Oh, mini, mini. Okay, cool. Yes, these are uh, artisanally handmade in uh, Tonala, Jalisco. Wow, but I'm away from my hometown, Arandas, with your logo on yes. them. That's nice. So wh- where does the the name come from? Cabresto means the horse's bridle. My dad at first tried to use his name, Silverio, uh, but at that time, the name was taken. So he thought about uh, a horse instrument. He thought about tequila radura, the horseshoe. So he thought about it and said, oh, Cabresto, 
doesn't sound that bad in English and it sounds good in Spanish too. So, cabresto. <laughs> There's no, uh, do you have any plans for like a tasting room or like, the, as of right now, only restaurants, bars, and stores people can find the yes. tequila? Only restaurants and stores right now at okay. the moment. Do you want to talk at all about that? About, uh, uh no, not at the moment. There's a, <laughs> I don't have any enough information for that. Okay. Boy, that was a hard tease right there. Hard tease, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there there is an article out there. Yeah. Where if you find oh, the article, it's an, e- it's an Eater Detroit article. Yep. <laughs> but that's so as that's far a, as that's we'll a go. no comment, basically. Yeah, that's a no comment. <laughs> okay, that's, uh, for another episode. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, cheers, cheers, everyone. Yeah, thank you. Salut. Celebration. I already drink. Yeah, no, I, I drink too. <laughs> I can't cheers an empty glass. I don't think. What's what's your preferred way to uh, to drink tequila? Solo, yeah, not mixing anything with, with no pants. Not mixing nothing. What about shower tequila? On the words on, but yeah, no pants. Shower tequila? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Just as it is. I like to have one before a meal, a shot, because it helps you with the digestive system. Something we it opens ta- up that appetite also. And something we talked about was when seasonally to drink tequila too. Um, I, I'm trying to remember when the last time we had this discussion, but I think it was between, was it maybe between beer and tequila that tequila is more of a warm weather drink or a cool weather drink? And I already forgot, which is a great reporter as I am. <laughs> I guess it depends. In Mexico, they drink tequila in our area all year. They do. Yeah. Okay. All right. When it's hot, when it's cold, tequila, tequila. Okay. Okay. I will tell you drinking about beer, hot they tequila. make fun of you. Not to bring up, I did, I visited the Patron uh, distillery outside of Guadalajara once and it was a great experience. They bring you down there and, you, you know, they take you out to dinner and you get super wasted the night before. And then you go to the te- the distillery and it's, you know, you're seeing everything and the, the agave is like cooking. But then they, you're doing a tasting and it's like 110 degrees and you're hungover and you're drinking like hot tequila. Yeah. You know, oh, they're yeah. like, here's the tequila mean, like, at 40%. Here's it at 55%. I'm like, you mean the water's hot? The tequila's hot? I'm like, is this? <laughs> That's exactly how I mean, it is on there. Yeah. Yep. Hot tequila was, I don't know. This is great though. This is. Even though Nick was asking for salt in the, in the lime. Well, yeah, I was going to throw the salt over my shoulder and, you know. <laughs> He's a salty mother. <laughs> <laughs> How is, is but here, that, yeah? But here in the Detroit area, I think, uh, like in the Southwest Detroit area, I think uh, tequila does get more consumed in the cold season. Okay. Than beer and beer, pretty much, you know, nice and cold in the summer. Everybody prefers that. Now, and you, so you kind of glanced over. You'd get made fun of in Mexico for drinking beer. I mean, if you're at the fiesta, heck yeah, they see you drinking beer instead of tequila. Really. Yep. I mean, if it's like early in the day, they know why you're drinking beer because you're hungover. <laughs> <laughs> Even if you're trying to keep it going, because I've been experimenting with beer. I've had a couple of experiments with beer. The, the, <laughs> the high proof didn't go too well, but the last month or so, I've been trying to, you know, everybody's like, oh, you got to drink beer because as a, as a spirits drinker, it, it levels you, it keeps you, you know, you can keep going and you kind of, but. I don't know. It hasn't been going that well either, but honestly. <laughs> so even when you're drinking tequila, does the beer keep you like keep you in the game? Because, I mean, you can only drink so much. I like to do both. I yeah. to have a beer and have a shot, tip on my shot. and I don't really like the the sweet um, cocktail drinks. And I like to drink my tequila with mineral water, with Topo Chico and ice. Mm. Nice. Uh, that is the perfect drink because you, you all get to. It's a highball. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Savor the flavor of the tequila and. Length and hydrated, yeah. But cocktail, I mean, but cocktails, uh, it probably I don't know represents like a a good market for oh, the yeah. tequila, right? Oh, yeah. Sure um, does. Because I was I I was talking with the guy at Keiko's and I was asking him about. He was telling me that tequila has been doing really well lately, and I for them they see like a really big um, increase. And at you know at the bars and restaurants that um, that I work with, you know it's. Uh, it's definitely, I would say it's growing, but it's not, you know, whiskey has been pretty dominant, as we've said. But I was asking him, like, you know, where is there, like, where's a great tequila bar? Because education is so much a part of spirits in general, of whether course, it's your brand, you know, like you're in the tequila category. And then within that category, there's all these brands. And so, you know, obviously the um, the bourbon people, they do a great job of educating people on different spirits. But where's the great tequila bar 
in the city where you can go and really dive in where there's knowledgeable staff that can talk you through a lot of this stuff because you know people see these things and they want to know more and i don't know if there is jason you're absolutely right at this at this time and moment i don't think there is a place like that yeah so in in fairness we had zach from peas and carrots on last week and he is the owner of mex and i i have to say that mex while it's not super authentic mexican food and he admitted have, and he admitted that. and he admitted that yeah. does have a crap ton of tequilas he has a, a pretty good selection there what's a crap ton just over like, over a hundred, yeah. of a hundred. Yes, That's a they, lot. they carry our tequila too. So yeah, perfect. So I, to Zach. I I don't. No one has really said put their flag in the ground saying like I am the agave bar. Yeah. Um. But I feel like Zach has done a decent job of collecting them. And as part of that, we talk about this often, but like the, the the we have plenty of tequila in the book, but there's no hardly any mezcal. So like being the agave bar, or you know, like in. In New York, I visited a mezcaleria. Who's even drinking mezcal, though? I'm drinking mezcal. I just think, like, the the hardcore people like us are drinking well, mezcal, but I feel like even when you go into some bars, they're... I was at Bakersfield... Well, that's uh, part Sun- of the education process. Sure, so. absolutely. Bakersfield on Sunday, and I had to make me a mezcal fashion. I, I think I think this is well. to point of, like, we were talking last week about population density and, like, the, the amount of uh, people in the city itself, mm-hmm. like... There's not enough people to do some of the to, to yeah. float a mezcaleria, yeah. a place just focusing on mezcal. It would have to be a place that is focusing on all. But you go to Chicago, and granted, Chicago has a d- better density. Yep. Has a couple great mezcal places. Yep. So I mean, also access to mezcal because how many mezcals are even in the Michigan book? Twenty-two. Like last 20, we looked. Yeah, I think it's gotten say. a little better now. So yeah, I mean, this place in New York I went to had I think at least sixty. Yeah, and, and that's I mean that's a drastic difference. Mm-hmm. Um, especially across the like, I think all the ones here are pretty. It's one or, it's one or two level. manufacturers have like, you know, more than a couple bottles, and then there's some offshoots. But anyway, that's mezcal. Yeah. So, um, I, pulque. So it was in, when I was in Mexico, I had pulque. Is that Ooh, something? I love pulque. So is that a tequila? So this is at a mezcaleria. Was is that a tequila thing too? Is this agave? Th- is that an agave thing? Yeah, it's uh, basically out of these huge maguey's that they. They carve out a hole and let the juice. It gets filled up with its own juice, and you let it ferment, and you scoop up the juice from there, and just let it ferment and string it. Yeah, and so I was told that's a that's a breakfast thing a lot of times, right? Or is that wrong? I haven't heard that, but I drink oh. it all the time. Every time I go, <laughs> so the, the, this and guy. The, is, and the longer you let it sit in your, I go and I just go on the side of the road and buy a two liter empty pop of polka and just take it with me and the longer it sits it ferments longer it gets nice. stronger and <laughs> so what kind of no fer- judgment like zone on the breakfast polka guys, <laughs> yeah. you don't gotta shout them out but are we was, talking like, like kombucha or are we talking like six seven percent like do you know how much alcohol is in it not exactly each okay. batch is different okay hmm. and it's kind of like this uh it's got like a creaminess to it and it's like yeah the, it's, it's almost like like a yogurt. sweet Ish. Horchata? No. It's, I mean, it, it's like, well. Could, you know what? I would compare it to something kind of like citrusy, kind of like uh, in the color also to squirt. Okay. But not, okay. That, but not that not that citrusy too, like orange or or, or lime or lemon. It has a totally different uh, taste profile. Yeah. it's It was um, the way I had it at, in, in Mexico is the guy mixed uh, ground almonds with it. And he turned really? into like wow. almost like a smoothie. Smooth. That it, sounds it, like a smoothie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was fantastic. I feel but like you're maybe gotten the the gringo version of this. I don't know, <laughs> whatever it was. <laughs> it followed a, a plate of uh, of insects, so it wasn't. It couldn't have been that. Uh, you and your insects. I know. I know. Is is anyone doing that in the U.S.? Is anyone doing pulque in the U.S.? I, I mean, I've never seen it in Michigan. Uh, I don't think it can be done. No, because you've got to. Uh, it's got to be scooped out. It, and it has to be scooped out of a live huge maguey. I mean, if you think of my pine is big, these are huge. Sure, probably like half the size of the room. What's okay. a what's a maguey? It's the bigger version of an agave plant. It's like maybe ten times bigger. Wow. Whoa, damn! Ooh. So that you're not yeah. moving off your patio yeah. in the winter. <laughs> and, and those are like the, the wild maguey's. It's not something you can grow either. Probably a lot harder to poach. Yes. <laughs> well, that's that, fascinating. I mean, the idea of just like domesticated versus wild plants. Like you can't grow it because it's yeah. wild. And you're you're pushing cool. tree at that point. Like you're I going mean, from like bush to a tree. Yeah. So. It's also like humbling as a human to be like, here's a plant or a tree species that is like outside of your realm of control. You know, it's like that's pretty cool to me. Yeah, it is. You know? There's boundaries. Uh, hmm. So what's this? Uh, so what's the next one that we have here? This is the 
Ty jsi na něho. So, okay, so talk about the Añejo for a second, and then uh, I understand Eddie's going to do a cocktail. Yeah, we got we got a cocktail being made too. So, t- right. can we talk about the Añejo for a second? Yeah, the Añejo, like I said, is aged for uh, eighteen months, and I'm making like whiskey barrels. And so, like, wh- where where do the where do the barrels come from? Uh, my dad bought them down there. Uh, it's a variation of Jack Daniel okay. barrels and Heaven Hills Distillery barrels. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, cool. So yeah, drinking, so sipping this, I just don't understand how I don't know Americans have just migrated into this whole like you know salt and like doing you know salt and lime and bullshit like that. When you just you taste it, it's just like well, because no, he already said because the shitty right, right yeah. it's yeah. the same way that like Thanks to Jose even Parvo in, and yeah. all the other brands. Even in, <laughs> I mean, I drank too, shitty gin in college and didn't drink gin for ten years until you got like something true. good. You know, I mean. Oh, just, I, I wasn't able to drink tequila for the longest time. Yeah, that, I, it, it, it would, I think I had a bad twenty-one at tequila. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, th- there was a good, you know, until good good stuff came along. Like th- there, because that, isn't that like that's also the perception of tequila makes you angry because you're drinking shitty tequila? Is there something to that, or is that just? <laughs> I, I think know. it all depends on the person. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say that. <laughs> it's just. A <laughs> I have noticed that uh, you do get like a different vibe from from whiskey, tequila, and yeah. Beer. But tequila is a happy juice. Yeah. Well, yeah. And to to your, to Vato's point, I mean, like, anytime you have something that's a better quality, that's gonna it's gonna lend itself to a better experience. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we all have those visions, like we were talking about, of like growing up and having that. So, I don't know. I think the w- one great thing I like about podcasts is that we this and blogs we have this opportunity to educate people on a much broader scale than we grew up. I mean, I'm the oldest one in the room, but you know. I didn't have any of this stuff to tell me, oh, well, don't drink this. Drink this instead, and here's why, and here's how it's made, and here's how it should be made, and the balance between having 100% you know, blue agave versus having uh, you know, something else and making it into a mix. I mean, you just didn't know that growing up, and even working in bars in college, you weren't told that because you're in these you know, pour-and-shot bars, and uh, there's, there's just no education around it. Now yeah. I think there's just a lot of education. That, that, and I think there wasn't that many many options either no there wasn't and it was i mean you're i mean it was like oh hey what do I, what do you got you got top shelf and you got well and your well was i mean if it even if it was <laughs> even if it wasn't silver it was still white right it was like <laughs> this is the well this is the shittiest stuff we can give you and it's oh it's a it's a dollar today you know like something stupid well that i mean that's an interesting point because when you think about tequila without you know a lot of backstory you reference Cuervo because that's I, – I feel like 1800 and Cuervo is yes. probably like a couple of the ones that yep. most people like Americans give growing tequila up. tequila bad name. Yeah. yeah, you know, they give tequila bad name. But that's what they grow up thinking of or God forbid even like lower shelf than that. But that's like the entry hat. point. Which one has the hat? Um, that's the – that's also the – the, There's a tequila hat. with a little plastic hat. And that's the, what the bottle is like, has? It's like below the bottom of the shelf. Is that Al Toro? Yeah. Al Toro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Cuervo on eighteen hundred. that's the, uh, in my head, that's like the absolute of marketing nowadays. You know, I have all the commercial. I mean, growing up, absolute was the vodka just because. Well, they have the budget. Yeah, because they had the ads. They had every ad. It was like, it was the best thing. I was collecting every absolute ad I could get just because how cool it was mm-hmm. and not realizing that it was such a shitty liquor. And- the people migrate to that stuff and they push it off at the bars and, you know, you pick it up at the party store for your party at home and you don't have, you know, the the smaller brands or the brands that are better tasting and even the, the price point isn't that off. Well, think know. about it. But also like in the 1950s when you were drinking, the people were just mixing their cocktails. They weren't necessarily drinking them straight. I, I wasn't in the 1950s. I was- <laughs> You're such a dick. You're the oldest one in the room. He's I am, but yeah, not that, not that old. Man. Come on, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Like I, the, the kids nowadays that are drinking well, have a much better. But you look uh, at mass chance. market. The mass market between the more craft stuff is they they're the ones that are pushing the stuff more for mixing. And we're like Capresto, you know, something that's like much, you know, is nice to be sipped. It's tough to get that that huge mass market audience because they're gonna be like, "Well, can I mix Coke in here? Can I but mix I, this?" But I still want to make my margaritas with good 
liquor, which is fine. You know, I don't want to yeah. make it with shitty liquor. Right. And I like margaritas. The, I don't want. I just don't want a shitty. Well, liquor yeah, but in the silver. I mean, twenty eight ninety nine. That's what it's you said. Bad. The silver it's was not right? bad. Yes. I mean, that's a great entry price for something. That's a good quality. Yeah, and restaurants should pick that stuff up instead of having. Can I see well, that bottle? The, the other thing to keep in mind is like uh, a lot of places, like even in Southwest Detroit, for example, like their their menus don't offer tequila as like as a singular item. It's always mixed in something. Right. Right. And and they're not even in a position. A lot of the places aren't even in a position to educate. Well, and we talked about that last week. Is that a lot of uh, not all of them, but a lot of the Southwest Detroit places when they're doing margaritas is still from a. Uh, sour mix, sour mix, yep. Yeah, mm. um, which is tough. So, and let me point out also, we won probably over fifteen awards with our all uh, four of our tequilas. We wow. won double gold medals, platinum medals, best overall reposado, uh, gold medals, silver medals. We won. We've had quite a lineup of awards that we won with all of our tequilas. And wh- what does that mean? Like, wh- where, where did, where did these awards happen? Uh, two thousand eleven, we won a double gold with our uh, silver. Uh huh. 2013. Um, is it was that a local competition or was that San Francisco World Spirits competition? There we go. Yeah, oh, they're, okay. the, they're the big one. Yeah. Yep. That is. 2013. It was the other way around. Uh, Reposado took the double gold medal. Uh, 2014 New York World Wine and Spirits competition. We took a gold with the silver and a double gold and best overall Reposado. And you're just in Michigan right now. Yes. So I, I was in Texas too. Okay. I was my own distributor, but it was hard to juggle both. Sure. And over there, you need to have deep pockets. Over there, the Laws are a little bit different. You can go up to a bar and write on a check here. Don't carry the little guy. And Ooh. It's very legal over there. So hmm. when, when you're distributing in Michigan, do you, do you go around and, and educate the, the servers or the, the proprietors of the places? Yes. Or? If they uh, ask for us to go and uh, educate them a little bit, we do go in there and train them or educate them. So going back, because that was an interesting point about uh, – so when you go to Southwest Detroit or a lot of these places, like you were mentioning, they're still making the margaritas with the sour mix. But you're also targeting your product to a lot of bars that are using – you know, like the cocktail bars, they're using fresh syrups and fresh citrus. Do you think – is that something that might – like is there a reason to still use the – the mixes in some of the original bars in Southwest, or do you think that's is that because they're serving a market? Or I'm trying to understand, like, do, will that evolve as well? Is there is there a, a path for trying to introduce like that? I think the market is different with the restaurants in uh, South Detroit. Honestly, I think uh, most of our support we get from the, all the the cocktail bars than the local restaurants from the neighborhood. They rather. Since their prices are cheap, they got to go with the right. cheapest, mm-hmm. cheapest tequila, cheapest uh, margarita mix. Unless you ask for a high end uh, spirit, well, then that's where we come in. I see. That makes sense. Last week I had mentioned that uh, uh, everything down there is Bud Light. At least growing up, everything has always been Bud Light. Yeah. If, it, yep. if you didn't carry Bud Light, your bar wasn't going to be open very long. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know why. Not Corona? Nope. Bud Light. I think it, now it's been uh, half and half, Corona oh, okay. and all the Mexican beers that are coming in. It's improved a lot. Probably because there's more uh, uh, you know, gringos coming down the southwest instead. I want the authentic beer. Give me a Corona. <laughs> With a lime that I could squeeze into the top. Well, I mean, I'm just saying if that's the point, if more, if more people are coming in the southwest looking for, you know, as more people adopt, you know, better, you know, better cocktails, better things. Is there a space for some place there to do not higher end, but like yeah, like a authentic experience with food and drink? Well, this goes back to something we talked about a number of podcasts ago. Is like people not wanting to pay higher prices for some of the more ethnic foods in quotes. Um, so I think I think you know Mexican food has a tough time because I think people imagine it's cheaper. So if you're, you know, when you're talking about having the, you know, the most budget-friendly tequila and uh, all the mixers with it, that's kind of what some people are expecting from that. Yes. So I think it'll take some learning to keep, get people like, there is so much more to Mexican food than just kind of what you're used to in like a Tex-Mex space. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's where we failed in Texas. Uh, from my mom's side of the family, they have, lo- they all have restaurants, but they're on the Tex-Mex business. Mm-hmm. But they want they want the cheapest tequila available sure. for their margaritas. Yep. They didn't care about the quality or none of that. So And most of the patrons don't either. Yeah. So they don't. They just want something cheap and and so they're all uh, cheap margaritas. 
It's probably tough too when you're around here. You're paying a dollar fifty for a taco or something, and you're gonna how much are you gonna pay for your drink? You know, maybe, but I think that if you want the authenticity, like you're talking about, Jason, I think that's. I think the restaurants have to start tuning into that idea that okay, we are gonna we need to start education educating the consumer and saying, hey, you're down here for authenticity. If you didn't want authenticity, you'd go to whatever that Taco place, Bell, Taco Bell, or whatever place is on Woodward, you know, but. Oh, owl! Yeah, I just like asking questions. Try the owl. Owl's not bad. Oh, no, owl. The one down in uh, Detroit. Can we try this one, bud? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. But uh, that that kind of authenticity—you're going down there for authenticity. And just ramp it up, and then get the education from the from the bars. Just same way that the craft cocktail place is done, and you know some of the more uh, what we would call years ago high end restaurants, and now are can be becoming more mainstream restaurants. Yeah. Serving good quality food, great ingredients, etc. But I mean, even even we've learned from like uh, El Barzon and Lenoria sure, now yeah. that that like people are willing to pay a little bit more, absolutely, to, for for, the, for that experience. And um, you know, I can't imagine that El, El Barzon has a, a low like a bottom shelf tequila. On, on, I mean, maybe they do. I have no idea. But um, you know, they put it alongside this as yes. well. You know. So this is the extra añejo. Yes. Okay. And this is once again uh, seven seven years. Eight or seven years. Seven years. In Amer- American oak, same. Yes. Okay. All right. Mm. Yum. Oh, it's fantastic. So th- this one you said retails for a hundred and ten. Yes. Okay. Is it is is this how's demand been for this for that bottle? It's been a little bit slower. It's a little bit higher ended. I mean, not, not not everybody's going to buy a hundred ten dollar bottle, right? Right. But in a restaurant, but you do have your specialty bars that yeah. they will purchase right. it. Yep. Uh, so what, what's on the horizon? What, what, what's what can we expect from uh, Cabresto? Um, I think. Uh, well, like I said, we're trying to open up our own distillery. Mm-hmm. I think the only way to grow if, if we start making our own juice, your own juice. So that's why I haven't tried to step into other states because I, I don't want to. Step into another state and then not be able to produce enough for all the states. Uh-huh. So I think that's where we're at right now. And then where can people find uh, find you guys online? Uh, online, we're, we're not really available online, but you can go to your local liquor store in Michigan and ask for them to order us. Do you have a website? Yes, we do. Yeah, what's the website? Tequilacabresto.com. Okay. And then uh, Instagram, same thing. Yes. Because on Instagram also and on Facebook. Facebook. Great. Until next time, dine well, friends.